Mining stocks are set for their most profitable year ever. That according to Ronald Peter Stöffele. Ronnie, welcome back to Kitco. Hi Mike, good to see you. Now, we've last you spoke to Kitco, that was in September. Gold was at 1700s, now we're in November. What have been some of the key developments that have happened through the fall? Well, I think the last time I spoke with, with David on the show, um, I think the title of the video was, Is Gold Dead? Um, no, it was, Gold is Dead. It wasn't, it wasn't with a question mark, it, it, it said, Gold is Dead. And um, I, I, I talked to David and I said, well, you know, we are here at a precious metals conference uh, in Beaver Creek and there's absolutely no confidence at all because I talked to, a, I would say, a diehard gold bug and he asked me, Ronnie, where's the price of gold going? And I said, well, I wouldn't be surprised if we would see new all-time highs in the next couple of months. And he said, no way, gold is dead. <laughs> so I said, you know, if the confidence... Uh, especially in this sector is just completely evaporated and non-existent anymore. That, that tells you quite a lot and it tells you that we're probably close to the bottom. Uh, it turned out to be pretty accurate, I would say. Um, now we're trading above 1800. There's a, a big resistance zone that we are currently still kind of struggling with. But I think, you know, the sentiment is still fairly, fairly negative. Talking to institutional clients, I would say people couldn't care less about gold. It excites nobody. Of course, there's big opportunity costs, especially in the form of Bitcoin, which makes everybody really excited. And this is really where the media attention is at uh, in the moment. But I think gold is slowly but surely crawling back into the into the spotlights. And, and, and I'm extremely confident because I like this setup of um, stronger technicals now, of extremely negative sentiment, very strong, strong fundamentals. I think we, we shouldn't forget all the money printing that happened uh, over the last couple of, of quarters. Uh, we shouldn't forget uh, how other um, hard assets are doing. Therefore, I think that gold has lots of room to, to pick up and, and I think now we're really getting going. Now, let's stick with that theme about it's crawling back right now. I, I think that you wrote somewhere else that uh, what you wanted to see is you wanted to see gold is in a way self-sustaining. If you see that there's more people investing, if people see that there's more people investing, then you're going to see that gold is going to be rising. We did currently see that there was an outflow, according to the World Gold Council, a significant outflow of gold uh, out of the ETFs. Yeah, from, from my point of view, I mean, I, I, I did a couple of charts uh, regarding the behavior of institutional players. And I think when it comes to, to ETFs, I think it's primarily um, uh, investor demand and it's, it's very pro-cyclical. Mm -hmm. So every time the price of gold rises, we're seeing strong inflows into the ETFs. Every time gold falls, we're seeing significant outflows. At the moment, I think it has kind of stabilized now after a couple of really weak months. Um, and this shows me that institutional players are at the moment not really interested. But I think as soon as we go into the direction of 1900 or even 2000, and it can happen this year, um, then I think this is going to change. Uh, and we shouldn't forget that uh, managed futures and systemic uh, accounts are getting more and more important these days. And I think from a technical point of view, just for trend followers, gold is getting more interesting 
again at the moment. So, so I think that institutional demand, investor demand will come back over the next couple of weeks and months. And therefore, I would say, you know, gold is not dead. And, and uh, we're seeing still pretty strong demand coming from central banks. We're seeing that companies are actually buying gold now. Uh, we saw the news from, from Palantir, probably one of the um, best informed companies. They said, well, they're buying 50 million worth of physical gold to hedge against black swan events. We're still seeing very robust um, jewelry demand, uh, which is from my point of view also investors demand, um, especially from, from emerging markets. So um, we should not forget that over here in a German speaking world where people are very, very uh, nervous regarding uh, inflation and they don't believe that it's only transitory, um, physical demand is extremely high. Actually in Germany it's making new all-time highs. So therefore I think it's it's a pretty, pretty, pretty interesting setup at the moment. And I think that prices will, will clearly follow. I want to get to that inflation point, but um, just uh, sticking with gold for a sec, why is this year going to be the most profitable for miners? Is it just happen because if we're going to be getting to 1900, I would think that that would be the year, or are you just seeing that kind of those cost inflation is going to uh, be eating it into the profits for the miners? Well, um, the, the average, um, gold price this year is at a new all-time high. So actually, the price of gold itself made a, made its all-time high last year in, in, in summer, but the average price this year is even higher than last year. So, so this is a factor, but then on the other hand, we, we saw it with the Q3 results. Of course, we are seeing some, some uh, cost inflation when it comes to labor, but also when it comes to materials and especially energy, but still, margin of the producers are spectacularly high and 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 I think I, I made a couple of comparisons between um, valuation numbers but also profitability um, of the mining space versus the S&P um, and it's just looking like uh, like a value buy at the moment and, and 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 therefore I think this combination of very attractive valuation company making records amounts of of free cash flow um, paying out dividends, increasing their dividends, um, the combination of attractive valuation and um, the sentiment and investors interested is still, I would say, fairly muted. That makes me, from a contrarian point of view, uh, really, really excited. Why is inflation not transitory? Well, you know, we, we could ask Madame Lagarde here in Frankfurt why it is transitory from my point of view. Um, and I laid it out in, in, in my presentation. First of all, we shouldn't forget that uh, monetary growth, especially the broader monetary aggregates, um, uh, M2, for example, has risen 25% last year and it's still up 13% on a year-on-year -year basis, significantly higher than after the GFC. So you're going to go back and then talk about uh, terms again, M2 specifying which? Well, which it's a broader monetary aggregate and based on our, based on our um, uh, uh, calculations, it's got a very, very high correlation with inflation numbers. But the thing is, um, inflation, first of all, it is always a process. Um, it involves time lags and we shouldn't forget that the velocity of money is still extremely low. But from my point of view, 
and this is basically uh, one reason why I think it's not transitory. I think we should, as investors, we should focus less on what the central banks are doing and we should focus more on what fiscal policy is doing. So ignore, not ignore, but listen less to the Federal Reserve uh, with the whole tapering uh, discussions. Now tapering is here and I think the price of gold likes it. It likes um, this fact that tapering has started. But I think we should focus really more on what's coming out from the White House, what's coming from, 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 from uh, fiscal policy in regards of um, infrastructure projects, for example, because um, this has got a much more direct impact on economic growth, but also on inflation compared to the decade of quantitative easing that we saw, which is basically an asset swap and which led to massive asset price inflation, but not price inflation. Now, I think for basically 10 years, central bankers told us inflation is too low, inflation is too low, inflation is too low, we have to do more. Now they are telling us inflation is only transitory. Um, but uh, from my point of view, at the moment, probably everybody is only talking about inflation and it's perhaps uh, a bit too much, but I think we will settle at higher rates. So I think we're in a new environment. The great moderation is obviously over. I think going forward, we will see inflation rates between three to five, perhaps more percent. Um, and this is actually, I mean, let's face it, that's the only way we, we can get rid of those uh, enormous amounts of debt. Uh, we all know that we won't grow out of it. We all know that um, uh, from a political point of view, um, a, a big haircut uh, is, is, is pretty difficult to, to, to sell for every politician. So um, therefore, you know, higher inflation rates, negative real rates and financial repression, that's, that's the way we are, uh, that we are seeing and, it, and it's happening now. How should investors protect themselves against inflation? Well, we, we crunched the numbers and actually last year we were kind of ridiculed because we published a report uh, that was called uh, Inflation and the Boy Who Cried Wolf. And uh, we, 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 we came up with that image because, you know, in, 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 this, like in this story, the boy who cried wolf, the, um, the little boy who warned against the wolf attack two times and it didn't happen and nobody, nobody believed him anymore. And then he, uh, he warned for the three, third time and then it actually happened, but, but nobody really um, saw it coming. And, and I think it's, it's a bit similar with... 2007, 2008, but also then 2011, many people were, were saying, well, hyperinflation is around the corner. But back then, the broader monetary aggregates um, were actually not really rising. So it was only central bank money creation. Now we're seeing significant credit growth coming out from the commercial banking sector. This is the main, main difference that we're seeing and that we basically um, made the case for. So we crunched the numbers in that, in that report and, and, and we said, well, um, the highest inflation beta um, is shown by commodities and by gold. Now, commodities this year have a spectacular year, obviously. I think it is a, a bull market or a super cycle that basically nobody is invested in um, because every time I talk, talk to institutional players, they say, well, it's interesting, but... Oil, nickel, copper, it has already gone way, 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 uh, way too far. Um, so, so this is basically over. 
I think that uh, this bull market in commodities, in hard assets, is just getting started. Um, and when it comes to gold, people always question me. I mean, inflation now is here, but gold is basically going down or sideways. And I say, well, I think that gold was already kind of sniffing out future inflation last year. Gold was up 25% last year. It was up 19% the year before. So we shouldn't get too greedy. And now this year in dollar terms, gold is down, I think, 2%. In euro terms, it's already up 3.5%. In Japanese, ter Japanese yen terms, it's up 8%. So actually, gold is doing pretty well. It's, 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 I, I wrote in a report, I asked the question, where does trust come from? And trust comes from repeatedly fulfilling expectations. And I think that you know, gold did a tremendous job last year hedging against the recession hedging against this huge turmoil in, in equity markets in spring uh, 2020, and it anticipated future inflation. So, so therefore, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed about the, the, um, the performance of gold, to say at least. And I think going forward, we have to ask ourselves the question, well, um, what's going to happen to real interest rates? If you would say, I think that real interest rates will go to plus three or four percent. I would say, well, then sell all your gold. Can it happen? From my point of view, if you do the simple math, no. And I think, therefore, we are set up for, for a period, an era or decades, whatever, of negative real interest rates. And negative real rates are the foundation, the basis of every bull market in gold. So, so, so that's really... If you want to narrow it down to like one number, it is real rates. And from my point of view, real rates will have to become, uh, will have to stay negative for the next couple of years. Now, lastly, Ronnie, you're a bit of an outlier because what we always hear in these conversations when we talk to other analysts, there's either Bitcoin versus gold, Bitcoin versus gold. You say that they're complementary. Yes, they are. I mean, um, gold is a monetary technology that is around for 5,000 years. Bitcoin is a monetary um, technology that is around for a little bit more than 10 years. Um, I think there are many, many similarities. The high stock to flow ratio, obviously. Um, I think that the creators of Bitcoin um, absolutely understood gold. They understood the flaws of our monetary system. They understood the flaws of, um, of fiat money, of um, central banking. And it's no coincidence that it came out after the great financial crisis. So therefore, I think both are a hedge. Let's put it that way. If you're buying gold or if you're buying Bitcoin, then it's actually a bet against the euro, against the US dollar, against the Canadian dollar, whatever. Um, and I think that more and more people are waking up seeing, well, uh, I'm not too confident regarding the future purchasing power of the euro, the US dollar and, and whatever fiat currencies. Now, from my point of view, gold isn't a religion, but Bitcoin isn't a religion either. I think there are just two prudent ways how to hedge against all those um, things going on. And therefore, we combine it. And in one of our funds, or actually in both of our funds, we, we say, away, well, the, the volatility of these asset classes, that's not an enemy, that's, that's our friend. So we're harvesting the volatility of Bitcoin and of cryptocurrencies um, via, via options. We are writing options all the time. So we are creating additional income for our funds. And 
And therefore, I think this, this strategy that also includes a rebalancing between Bitcoin, gold, and in, in another fund and silver, um, I think that totally makes sense. So it's basically a hard money portfolio. And we're seeing significant inflows. And I don't think, you know, everybody has got his opinion on gold. And it seems that everybody has to have an opinion on Bitcoin nowadays. From my point of view, um, there are many similarities. Of course, uh, the volatility is significantly higher, but that's mainly because it's just around for a little bit more than 10 years. So volatility of Bitcoin will come down. And actually, Mike, the more I read about Bitcoin, um, the more confident I am that it will be around for the next couple of years and that it's going to have, um, you know, continue to perform very, very well, of course, with huge drawdowns, but I think it's, um, it's here to stay. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. My name is Michael McRae. Stay tuned for more video from Deutsche Gold Messe.